This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Uh, Wow. I don't even know where to start. This election has just been crazy. I think both candidates are highly unfortunate. Um, But I still think it's really important to vote, so I'll be voting in this election. I think it's uh, really interesting how this is what we've kind of come to. um, Two candidates that are disliked a lot by a lot of people. Um, It's just kind of sad that this is what we could come up with out of 300 million people. Usually in a candidate, I want someone who's I mean, like a good person, and uh, lately all they've been doing is just taking shots at each other, and I don't feel like that's what the election should be about. It's about our nation and America, and so, I mean, I just don't, I don't understand why they're doing that, so. Tonight, we're at TCU in Fort Worth, Texas Christian University. Um, It is obviously before the election, and I want to talk about everything except the candidates. Uh, with the debates that have happened this week, we can save that for another time. I want to get into the minds and the hearts of millennials. The millennials are the hero generation. And if you haven't read, especially The Fourth Turning, I urge you to read it. Because if you're my age, if you are in your 50s, anywhere from 30 to 65, we have a different responsibility and so do the millennials. We are, this is a generational wave. And the last time we saw the hero generation was in the 1930s and 40s. They were the ones that brought us through the Second World War. That's who the millennials are. But right now, the only ones really talking to them and reaching out to them are the left. They get it from their professors, they get it from culture, and instead, the Republican Party or the conservatives are the ones that look like the old people screaming at them, get off my lawn, you lazy kids that don't understand. Well, some of them might be, but there's a lot that are not. We need to understand their language. We need to start reaching out and talking to them, learning who they are. And in a perfect world, they will leave all of our bull crap behind and just take the things that we know are eternal truths that are pretty obvious. And 
we'll be able to talk to them and leave all the bull crap that they have behind and take what really makes them tick. We combine those things and we do what we did in the 1930s and 40s. We change the world for the better, which is exactly what a hero generation lives to do. Change the world together for the better. So tonight, meet the millennials at Texas Christian University. Does anybody feel compelled to say a prayer? I'd like to open with a prayer. Anybody? Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day and for this chance to have great visitors on our campus at TCU and for this opportunity for us to discuss and share our ideas and opinions. Lord, we ask that you bless our leaders with the grace that they need to lead this nation and the rest of the leaders across the globe. Um, We thank you for uh, the opportunity to discuss and be at a university like TCU. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Um, so let me, let me start with, uh, honestly, with your prayer. Um, do, do you guys feel we are getting better or worse with being able to express opinions? Anybody? Does everybody feel comfortable that anybody could say anything and we're all going to listen and... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, not necessarily, especially on other college campuses. Not so much here. We don't have to deal with that. Um, but definitely at other public universities around the nation. It's really hard to be a conservative. Um, Okay. So is the problem that um, conservatives can't express their point of view? No, it's that they get shut down because instantly you're called a bigot or a racist just for having beliefs. Okay. And what should happen with that? How how should we be? We We shouldn't let it change us. Is there any speech that should be banned? I wouldn't go as far to say that it should be banned, but I think there are things that just shouldn't be said, just in terms of, like, unnecessary harm. I don't think you like, should be you malicious. Example? Can you give me any examples? Um, like, attacking someone, like a personal attack on something they have no control over. Sure. I think that's and unnecessary. So should that just be, you should be ashamed of yourself, or should somebody say something? Should somebody... I think you, as a person, should recognize that that's not necessary, and you should but if filter they don't, yourself. Because most people who do right. are then. I'm sorry. Can you repeat your question? Yeah. So, so should should somebody step in? Should there be a should there be safe zones? I don't think there should be safe zones. But if, for instance, I said something rude or harmful to someone else in here, I think just as people, someone should say like hey, don't talk to her like that. But it shouldn't be like a zone set out that you can and cannot say X, Y, and Z. Okay, why not a safe zone? I think it's hard. Um, One example is the TCU policy that bans um, emotionally harmful words. And and we don't always know what's emotionally harmful. Yeah, what's an emotionally harmful? You have that at this campus? Mm -hmm. That's our policy right now. What What does that even mean? Does anybody know what that means? Then how is it enforced? Case by case basis. So if if I feel that you've just said something emotionally harmful to me, describe me. Just describe me. If I said you have gray hair and I hurt your feelings. My gosh, she's calling me old. She's an ageist. (laughs) That's that's harmful. That hurts my feelings that you would call me old. Because I feel like I'm 20 and you're an ageist and you're making me feel old. 
can I get somebody in here to help me? And what happens to you if they, if they side with me? And if they don't side with me, well, are they ageist too? What happens to you if I would file? Does anybody know? I'm asking about your rules. I don't, I don't know. I think Campus Life, which is like our disciplinary office, would handle it with seriousness. What happens in... <laughs> I love Campus Life. What happens... <laughs> In life life, when somebody comes up to you and says, you have gray hair, you old fart. You what? deal with it. Okay. So what is college preparing you for? What, what is it you hope to get? Or did you come to college because that's what you're supposed to do? You're shaking your head, yes. Is that what happened? You're just, you're here. Why? Um... Well, I think that uh, along the lines of we, it's just like a societal thing. You have to go to college in order to get a good job. That's just the belief, I guess. Um, Is that true? I don't personally believe that. I don't think you have to go to college to get a good job. I know plenty of people that haven't gone to college and gone on to be presidents of companies, and they didn't even go to college. So I don't. What do you guys think? What do you guys think about people who didn't go to college? Go ahead. Well, just to expand off of, you know, his point, um, you know, and I guess I'll be the first one to bring up politics tonight. But, you know, President Obama, Barack Obama, saying that everybody needs to go to college. And, well, you know, hold on for a second. I don't think everybody does need to go to college because, you know, we need mechanics in society. We need plumbers in society. And not to harp on their profession because they, they make a living, too. You know, we need those people in society. So opening the floodgates and everybody going to college, you know, I don't necessarily think that's the right approach to take. Do, so mechanics and plumbers, they shouldn't go to college? I mean, isn't that kind of looking down on them? Not My gosh, because are they on their way? Because the ageist comment that you made. <laughs> well, you know, not, not saying that they can't go to college. You know, maybe they can, maybe they can go to college. Every, I think or everybody, trade school. Or trade school. I think everybody's entire, you know, everybody deserves a, a, a quality education and a proper education in America. Notice you stopped using the word entitled, you almost said. Not, not entitled. I think, yeah. I think we, we all deserve a fair chance and a fair opportunity at, at an equal education. Okay. Um, so tell me what you think about people who don't go to college. Are they losers? Will they make it? What do they have to have? Why are you guys here? How much are you spending? Lots, right? How, how long are you guys going to be in debt for this? And when I just said, do you have to go to college? Most of you shook your head, said no. Are they losers? No. I know Google doesn't care about your college transcript anymore. Google is hiring and they're saying, I hire. I don't care about your, your college transcript. Because show me what you're doing now. Prove, prove it to me. Show me what you're doing. So why are you taking on this debt? By the way, there's no right answer here. I really want to know. Why are you taking on this debt? I, I mean, I guess for me, um, I'm a finance major. So Indeed. if I want to move up, it's definitely like a college degree is something that they want to make sure that you have. Um, I don't necessarily know why, because a lot of the things I've learned um, personally in finance has actually been on my own and less from college. But um, I think that there are definitely some takeaways, at least from like a technical aspect. 
and from a um, from an aspect of like I know that I would not sit in my derivatives class if I had to just like do it on my own with a textbook. That's just personally what I wouldn't do. But I think having a college education also um, makes it look like you definitely are working hard to um, learn other skills beyond just the skills of high school. So like I would say a lot of my management classes are very much um, tailored to me moving up in companies, and that's just a personal goal of mine is to not just be maybe a baseline. And But I also believe you can move up um, without doing this. This just might be an advantage for me. Your parents' generation, um, were they, were they, did they live their life, their parent, your parents' generation, not necessarily your parents, your parents' generation, are they about money or purpose? How do you see the generations before you? People who are in their 40s, 50s plus, were they about money or purpose? Who has a microphone? Yeah. I think they're more about money because I feel like now people are, like, switching jobs a lot more, and I feel like our parents' generation, it's like you get one job and you stay in that one field the rest of your life, and now it's, like, a lot more, oh, I don't like what I'm doing, so I'm going to change jobs, even if you're making a lot of money. It's just, like, more accepted and common, I guess. So, but you think now that those people who change in jobs, they don't care necessarily about the money? I think they weigh purpose more in their, the equation. Okay. What thinking about jobs. So you guys, are you more about purpose or about money? I think from personal experience, we're more about purpose because I want to be a prosecutor and I've known that I care about justice for a really long time and I know that prosecutors aren't the lawyers who make the most money. So if I were about money, I would probably be pursuing corporate law or finance like my friend behind me. So um, I do think our generation is more about purpose where our parents found a corporation, settled in, and stuck with it for... 401ks and the money aspect. I will tell you that I have corporate attorneys, and they're not about money. I, I was just in a lawsuit um, recently where we were right against the federal government and uh, could have settled, and it, my motto to my attorney was, you say every time, this is your mantra, nope, not one penny ever. And uh, he was a great, he lit up. Great. We're on principles, not about money. You can be a corporate attorney, you can be a finance guy, and not about the money. You guys have a choice um, that you can choose to either do well or to do good. Can you do both? Do you know the difference between, I'm sure you do. Can you do both? Can someone do well and do good? Can you tell me anybody who is doing that, who has done that? I would say yes, but I would also say it's based on your definition of what is well and what is good. What you consider... You define it. Define it for me. And to me personally, doing well in terms of financially just means that you're able to support yourself and support your family if you have a family to support and that there after paying for those finances there's still a little bit left over that you have to 
go on trips with your family or things like that. Not living in extravagance, I think, is... Is there a problem with living in extravagance? Not if that's what your goal in life is. Um, I think Can you do good and live in extravagance? Yes. Okay. Um, and then I think just doing good means that you seek to serve and help others in some capacity. And so for me, I, my mom is like a perfect example when I think of someone that I feel like does well and does good because she goes and she works and she provides for our family and she's a special needs pre-K teacher. And so I've gone in her classroom and I've helped and I've seen what she does. And by definition, I think that's good. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the election. Is anybody here excited about either of the two candidates? Nobody? This is the first time. How many, time, how many people here, this will be the first time you could vote? First, first president I got to vote for was Ronald Reagan. Does anybody know who Ronald Reagan? <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> that I remembered. And I couldn't vote for him. I wasn't old enough to vote for him the first term. So I had to wait until 84. And I voted for him. And I remember I could still see his name on the ballot. And I was so excited to pull that. You guys know who you're going to vote for this time? Anybody voting third party? Anybody not voting? So you're all going to vote. Anybody care to share? Well, if you're not voting third party and seeing that this is generally a conservative room, (laughs) anybody care to talk about your candidate, I assume, is Donald Trump? So I already voted over fall break, and it was actually the day that that tape came out. Like, I saw it after I voted. So that's interesting. So was your day in your memory now like, oh, no. It was just like, oh, man. <laughs> like, um, but I mean. Would that have changed your vote now? Like, prop no. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's. I was more confident when I was, like, scribbling in the little bubble mm-hmm. than I would have been afterwards. So, I, but, yeah, I voted for Donald Trump. <laughs> so does anybody have a problem? You're going to vote for Donald Trump, but anybody have a problem voting for Donald Trump? Anybody feel like, I really am uncomfortable with this? Nobody. You are. Good for you. Brave. But I feel uncomfortable because, like, that video didn't help. And I think he said a lot of things that could be, like, taken the wrong way. But I don't think he, like, genuinely has intentions that, like, oh, I'm meaning to hurt these people's feelings. Like, like, what you're talking about. He's saying what he thinks is best for our country. And if it upsets people, it upsets people. And so, like, once you, like, get past that, and also I don't think, like, Hillary's a better option. How many of you, how many of you would like Ronald Reagan to be your grandfather? Okay. How many of you would like Donald Trump to be a family member? How many would like to have him as a grandfather? So like a, a distant relative, maybe father, maybe not a grandfather, not so much. How many would like him as a father? Okay. Wow. Let's go to, let's go to vice and virtue. I'm, I'm surprised by you guys a bit. Um, Let's go to 
Um, well, let's actually, let's, let's go here. Truth. Do you think either one of the parties are telling you the truth? None of, neither party is telling you the truth. What is it that they're lying about? Besides everything. <laughs> what is it that you feel like it's so clear to you that you wish somebody would stand up and say what? What is it you're not getting the truth on? I mean, I think one of the most obvious things is the whole email controversy and the, um, I just blanked on the court, uh, Clinton uh, Foundation. Yeah, I just completely forgot the word That's foundation. That's right. But, yeah, I think there's so much there that's not being said and not being explained and just being shoved under the rug that there's just a lot there. Do either of these candidates strike you as painting a vision the that's the America you want to live in? Because I remember with Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan, when he, was, uh, when he was running, the secret of Ronald Reagan was um, he believed in us. He believed in the people. And he didn't believe in the government. And he said, the problem is the government. The problem is the government. It's getting in the way of people. And his job, he felt, was to push the government out of the way to empower you because you have the foot of the government on your throat telling you what you can and cannot do. Back in the 80s, that's the way a lot of people felt. Now it's a thousand times worse than it has ever been. Now, Bill Gates said he couldn't start Microsoft today if he wanted to because of the regulation and the government is so imposing now that there's no way he could have stopped Microsoft, started Microsoft, which means you know, the Apple innovators, the Microsoft innovators, the people just like you that have an idea can't innovate. They can't do it without going and beg, borrowing, and stealing from the government, making a deal. Apple is this company that everybody loves so much, and I don't know if you guys saw the Steve Jobs movie. He wasn't likable. He was a genius, but the one thing he did that Microsoft did not do, Bill Gates didn't think they needed a Washington lobbyist. So Microsoft never lobbied the government. Steve Jobs knew that that was the future, and so he put lobbyists in Washington right from the beginning. So that set Microsoft behind because Apple was writing the laws. Do you think those laws help or hurt the average person if you want to innovate past Apple? Do you think Apple is lobbying for laws that make it more free for the entrepreneur? Right? So... Ronald Reagan had this vision of America, and he talked about it. I don't hear a vision. Well, I do hear a vision. Um, can you guys tell me any vision that you've heard from Hillary or from Donald Trump? What, is, what does the world or America look like in their utopian view? When they say, this is who we are, have you heard it? And if so, what does it look like? I'm going to start calling on you guys if you don't start raising your hand. Well, uh, to be honest, Hillary really has no vision except for her own bank account. 
she couldn't care less what happens to us, to be honest. Um, you don't feel that way about Donald Trump? Um, no, I do feel like Donald Trump actually does want the best for the people. Um, I don't necessarily agree with him on everything, but I do think that he has better intentions than her. What makes you say that? Well, I feel as though that he can be trusted more than she can, uh, especially with everything that she's done with the emails and stuff like that. So is that Don- are those things that he has done to prove that to you or things that she has done to prove that she can't be trusted? A little bit of both. Okay. Donald Trump isn't a perfect person, but you're never going to elect a perfect person. Okay. Um, let's talk about vision, and I want to come back to that. Anybody else on vision? Yes. I think that Hillary's vision is mainly based on how the government can like provide for everyone and make everyone happy through the government. And I think Trump's is more how can everyone provide for themselves and how can he make that easier for them. I think that's the main difference and like the main deciding factor for me. Because I think the hard work should matter, and I don't think that Hillary's going to make that happen. Okay. James, in the back. Yes, go ahead. He's right here. I mean, I truly see Hillary's version of America as every American worshiping at the altar of a restrictive large government, and that's never been the way that I've wanted this country to be. I mean, economic freedom, religious freedom, personal, even freedom of thought, freedom of speech. She wants, you name it, she wants to restrict it. And that's never been something that I've been for. So that's why I don't feel like I can trust her with this country. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, so kind of on the other side, uh, like I support Donald Trump, but uh, the thing that like I think Donald Trump has been kind of doing wrong with his vision, like I'm really, uh, like I'm focused on economics and business and I feel like Donald Trump is really trying to hammer home on manufacturing, like Every time in debates, he's always bringing up, like, we're going to bring manufacturing jobs to America. But, uh, like, I agree with you in the sense, like, we need to be focusing more on, like, regulations when it comes to innovation. Like, I believe innovation is the future for America. And I just feel like Donald Trump's, like, vision for America is kind of outdated in the sense that I don't think the future of America and, like, the future of America's economy is going to be in the manufacturing sector. Okay, so your problem is that that's not the future. Yeah. Can you tell me how does a president force a company to come back why does a company leave america in the first place i think uh like big thing is taxes like where taxes and regulations are the two main things i think that uh we're just squeezing our corporations to death when it comes to taxes we aren't giving them any incentive to like i know apple has moved like a lot of its like caches over in ireland because it's just uh, a tax hub over there so we're just not allowing for uh, American companies to invest back like in American workers. Is there anything in the Constitution that allows a president or anybody, Congress, to make a company come back? No, nothing. So when he says, Jack, when he says, I'm going to make a company come back, what does he mean by that? He just means adding incentives for these companies to come back. And, you know, it always, you know, looks good on a company whenever they say, oh, look, we're bringing jobs to America and we're making things in America. And he just thinks that if he can, you know, take away all these taxes and regulations, companies can come back. But, I mean, I just I have a hard time seeing that under a Donald Trump presidency. Um, let me ask you, um, um, how do you find truth? How do you find truth? I remember when I first got into radio uh, 40 years ago, 
I was 13 years old, and um, I, uh, when we had to find out if something was true or not, we either had to go to the library, or we would call the library, and there was always a big libraries, there was always someone in the research department, and you would call them and say, they were basically Google, and you could call them with any question, and they would say, I don't know that, but we'll find it for you. We'll call you back in a couple of days. And so you, you did a lot of guesstimates on a lot of stuff. It's not like it is now. Um, but it seems like we had an easier time finding the truth then than we do now. How do you guys find the truth? Yes. I think it's kind of hard today, actually, because there's so many different news sources telling you different things, and you don't really know what to believe. So for me, when I want to know if something's really true, I won't just rely on one news source. Like, I won't just go straight to Fox News every single time and be like, this has to be true. For me, my favorite news source actually is Daily Mail because I feel like I learn more about our country, which is kind of sad, outside because it's a cold, hard truth. I will tell you, I think you're right. The Daily Mail and and the, in particular, the English papers are braver on telling the truth about America. It's sad. It's it really is. Sad. It's very sad. So, but you can read it in the, in the Daily Mail, but that doesn't... It's true. I mean, it's true. So, so in today's world, how do you do that? And does the truth matter? There's a, a guy, I can't remember his name, uh, Yapanapolis, what's his name? The Milo, whatever. Um, who said that we are living in a post-fact world and he loves it because facts don't matter anymore. And so whoever can make a persuasive argument with or without facts wins. Does the truth matter? I think the truth absolutely does matter. And it's so sad that we can't trust our news sources today. Especially on social media, if you see a short video of something that happened, like in the recent examples with cops and people have been shot, we don't know the whole truth. And people base their opinion off that small thing, and then it turns into something much bigger, and that causes unrest everywhere. So I think knowing the truth is really important. Having cold, hard facts does make a difference. Anybody, is anybody really looking for the truth, though? Does anybody care about the truth? How many, what do you think the average time I run an Internet company... So we time these things. What is the average time someone spends on, a, on any given story? Average time. You see the headline, you click on the story, and then you digest that story. Average time. Take a guess. I can go back to your first question, which was, does anyone look for the truth? Yes. They look for the truth they want to hear. Yes. Very good. Um, anybody want to guess on how much time? Take a guess. Just shout it out. Seconds. 15 seconds. You're close. 10 to 15. Yeah. It's about 18 seconds. Okay? You can't read a story in 18 seconds, but that's the average time. Most people are only reading the headline and passing it on. So you can't look for the truth. Who's looking for the truth? Who's intellectually curious enough to look for the truth. And you brought up that the media is unfair. How do we solve that? Because it's going to be your generation that is now setting into stone 
the next generation of media. You're designing it now. The last time this happened was in the 1920s. A change, this dynamic. And the change was radio, 1923. And radio, all of a sudden, was mass communication. Never happened before. So mass communication instantly. And it changed absolutely everything. And what happened between 1930 and 1940, ABC, NBC, CBS, all of that came from the 1920s. Well, in beginning around 2003, the same thing started to happen. And now we are setting things into stone. Google, Facebook, um, uh, Huffington Post, all of these things started at the turn of the century. And now you're deciding, or they're deciding, what it's going to look like. Is that going to be better or worse to find the truth? Can anybody see any problems with what is, what, how, your, how the Internet works, how Facebook is working? Can anybody see any problem with that? Yes. Um, I see a problem with it in the sense that, especially with... Um, Internet news reporting and blogging and all of those realms, there's a move from just reporting facts towards telling a story, as in adding in your opinions and your slants and your perspectives rather than just reporting what happened. Okay. Anything else? Yes, James. Yeah, I think in this era that we live in with tons of large media outlets, it's really hard to find the cold, hard truth. It's clouded with opinion and pushing of agendas that so many media outlets do. And so I think it's harder for us in this generation to find the truth like, and to get through that bias or that subjective opinion. Anybody else? Yes, Jack. And also, I've seen, like, a big trend towards, you know, editorial boards, like, endorsing in all these, you know, newspapers and stuff like that. And, like, even Vogue magazine yesterday um, endorsed um, Hillary Clinton. It's just, I mean, ridiculous. I mean, well, like, don't you want Don't you think a fashion magazine should endorse well, okay. President? Well, like, I just, I don't understand, <laughs> like, why. No, but, like, these are supposed to be trusted news sources, like the New York Times and all this stuff. Like, people rely on this kind of stuff to get the truth. And... I don't think people realize that they're not actually getting the truth, and it's just frustrating for me to see all these people just, you know. Well, the editorial boards for newspapers, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a newspaper called the Democrat, the, you know, so-and-so Democrat or the Arizona Republican. It's because they were, they came to the table, a Democrat newspaper and a Republican newspaper. It was like CNN and Fox. This is back... You know, before the turn of the, the two centuries ago, you know, in the 1800s, Democrat and Republican, and they would make the case. And so this, the whole idea of, you know, standing up for your guy is not a new thing. It's not a new thing. And the editorial boards have done that since the beginning of the country. I don't know about Vogue magazine, <laughs> but you were going to say? Oh, go ahead. 
Um, I think beyond just it being opinion-based, I think people are only looking for what they want to see. And tying back to what we were talking about earlier, um, without like emotional offense on campus and um, in the real world too, I think people are only going to look for news that they won't be offended by. Um, and I think that that really rejects the freedom of speech because there is no freedom of speech without a freedom to offend. And people think that they're bubble-wrapped from that, and so they're only looking for news sources that are going to protect them from things that they think they don't want to hear. And that's not the truth. And it goes beyond that. You're exactly right. You two have hit the problem. It goes beyond that they're not looking for it. Facebook, I was out with uh, Zuckerberg six months ago, and we were talking about how, the, how their, their uh, algorithms work, as much as they would say, but how their algorithms work. I learned a lot. They... they they actually scan you. As you are looking at your feed, they actually record how fast you go over stories, if you come back, how long you're looking at just that, if you click, how long you spend on the story. And that all is figured in to you. Okay? So every time when you just scroll through your feed, if you're just blowing by people that's in your feed you'll get less and less of that information. Not even because you liked it, not because you, you didn't like it, because you didn't even slow down to look at it, okay? Then when you like something, the problem is with the word like. It says, oh, you like that, so I'm going to give you more of that. Well, there's lots of things that I am interested in reading, but I don't like. And there's lots of things that you read online that you're like, I don't, I don't like it. I only want to share it with my friends. You guys are different than I am because I have a, you know, a three and a half million people following me. So it's different. There are things that I don't want to share, but I would like to share with my inner circle, but I don't want to share with everybody because then everybody dogpiles. Oh my gosh, look, he believes in global warming. no. It's just an opinion different than mine that I think we should know about. Um, so if I don't share it, you don't share it, you don't like it, you don't slow down, before long, your whole feed is changed without you even knowing it. This election in the last year, by doing what you've done on Facebook, you are going to find more things in your Facebook feed that revolve around the Donald Trump world and all that the Donald Trump world might entail and less of the Bill Clinton or the Hillary Clinton world and all that that might entail. So give it a few years and you're only reading your point of view. What happens to a society when you're only reading your point of view? Extremely polarized. Extremely, extremely polarized. polarized, and I think you know another you know bad part of that is um, gerrymandering seems to have gotten out of hand, and that's kind of contributed to a lot of that too. Which what has um, gerrymandering? So people are living like in these bubbles that mm -hmm. you know everyone around them agrees in the same thing, and I think that can be dangerous as well. Actually, gerrymandering is is even more crazy than that. You guys know what gerrymandering means, yeah? So if you've seen any of the districts, they'll cut it out. It'll look like a snake. 
And so the people in that bubble, they don't all think alike. But the person who represents that group, they only care about that little sliver, which pits everybody against each other because on the average, that's a normal slice of America. But if I'm only selecting a few, I become extreme. And I have to, I have to stand by my extreme voters to get in. And so we become more and more extreme. Here we are at a place where I've never seen our country this divided. Maybe, I don't remember the 1960s. I was born in 64, so I really don't remember them. I imagine they were a little like this. Um, but I've never seen us like this before, um, where we're not speaking to our families because somebody's either for Hillary or somebody's for Trump. And so you can't even talk because it becomes crazy. This is over in a couple of weeks. How do we come back together? What are we going to do? Yeah, Cameron. Uh, I'd say that it's time for conservatives to really rally around the country and around each other. Um, you know, Donald Trump isn't the most conservative person in the world, and I don't think a lot of people in this room, quite frankly, love him. So after this, I think it's time for us to really get our message out, really come together, get serious about this. Um, get serious not, about what? About the conservative movement. What is that? Well, I mean, all of us in here, for the most part, we, we still believe in what the founders believed in. You know, Have you ever heard for, Donald Trump talk about the Constitution? Very rarely. Let me jump ugly with you guys for a second, okay? Let me jump ugly with you. How many people are here? How many people here represent Jesus Christ? If Jesus Christ was here today, what do you think he would say about Donald Trump? Big time sinner. Big time sinner. Anything else? Jesus would have an opinion. And, it, and I'm not talking about his soul. I'm saying, would Jesus say, that's a guy I want you to follow? How many say Yes. Then can I ask you, Christians, what the hell's wrong with you? If you don't think Jesus would say it, and I, now let me just play devil's advocate here, because you said we need to get serious. Do you think anyone's going to have credibility? Because if I'm not a Jesus supporter, what is, the, what is the number one thing that people say about Christians? You're judgmental, right? You're judging everybody. Oh, you just think you're perfect, and you're judging everybody, but you don't live it the way you say it. You're not really like that. You just want to think you're superior, right? Isn't that what people say? So if I'm on the outside, and I'm looking at you Christians, and I'm seeing you guys rally around a guy who is... I don't, I'm a flawed guy. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I classify myself as a recovering dirtbag. I did more things than most people can do in three lifetimes that are bad. I did it. I crashed in the 1990s. I completely blew up my life. 
I was so humbled and so out of answers. The only answer was baptism and Christ. That was the only answer. It was that or suicide. I changed my life. And when I was in the waters of baptism, I promised God, if you take my sins away, if you don't, and I do what I say, I do what you say I'm supposed to do, and you don't take my sins away, then you aren't God. Then you are a myth. But if I do exactly what you say, I I will do it. You promise me that you'll take them away. I could sleep at night. I did all my work. I asked the people I needed to for forgiveness, and I honestly changed and changed the way I live my life. So I ain't judgmental about anybody who has a problem or is living a dirtbag life. I get it. I've lived it. But have you had that moment of change? Now, you guys are defending a guy who doesn't exhibit that change. You're, you're giving him the grace that Jesus can give without a repentance process. Now, I'm just going to ask you this. How do you fight against immorality and the effects of immorality on our culture when that was your guy? Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.